Welcome to episode 187 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat for free plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency. It can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. I will put all this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons 
reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 187 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am good. Can I tell you that my bathroom is almost done? Oh, like finally? Yeah, we've had the plumbing, the lighting was done yesterday. And so all we need now is the towel bars and that's really, and oh, the medicine cabinet and the mirror have to be hung. Then we will be finished. But you could actually go in there and do everything a bathroom is supposed to do. Just you can't look in the mirror or hang anything up. That is a plus. I know. It is very exciting. And then... Is it just the yard that you're working on? Yeah, we're going to be working on a backyard remodel that's going to be huge. (sighs) To your tropical oasis with parrots? We'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I miss my screen porch. It's now been, I looked at my Facebook memories today and one year ago today, I was sitting on the floor in my old house with workmen. We were getting ready. It It was under contract and we were getting ready to close at the end of the month, so Gosh, so many memories from that, but I haven't had a screen porch since we left that house. I didn't realize you had a screen porch. At my other house? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I sat out there all the time. I would not sit out there all the time. Actually, I would during the winter. (laughs) I mainly am out there, okay, in the summer, in the spring, in the fall. When it's cold, no, but I like it the rest of the time. Speaking of the cold, guess what showed up at my door yesterday and made my life? Well, I don't know, unless it was a chest freezer. Oh, that would really make my life. (laughs) You know how I had Wim Hof on the show? Right. Recently, it was like a celebratory Wim Hof gift box with like the official. Oh, it it was so exciting. It's like I had a galley of the book. So I had like a a pre-release, not finalized version. So it was like the, you know, the hardcover, like actual version, like a Wim Hof towel that says... Like, breathe, mother, mother F, because he always says that. That's his, like, phrase. And then, like, a like an ice cube tray and, like, a motivational magnet. Oh, my goodness. That's so fun. My day was made. <laughs> so, oh, I have a CGM update. Oh, okay. How's that going? It's going well. I think today's, I don't know, today might be the last day. I'm actually interviewing Levels tomorrow, and then I'm interviewing Nutrisense in, like, a month. But I had a huge epiphany. So we were talking just a second ago, you and I, I recently did the, so Inside Tracker, which is a David Sinclair affiliated company. They do a lot of like genetic testing and blood testing and things like that. And they have a new inner age 
thing. They test like, I don't know, it's like 12 key biomarkers to determine your quote biological or like your real age. The good thing was it said I was younger than I am. So I was like, okay, that's a plus. (laughs) But what was really interesting was I measured my blood sugar on it. And I guess just because of the timing of it, and it matched my CGM for that for the time that I got it, but the timing of it, my blood sugar was like 79 or something, which is like my good number. Like I historically, I always feel like really good in the high 70s. But looking at my CGM over the past few weeks, like we talked about this last show, like it fluctuates so much, even during the fast. And like, so if I hadn't been doing the CGM, and I had just done that one blood test, I would have been like, oh, I'm, I'm sure my blood sugar is like always in the 70s. Then like it made me realize <laughs> getting a blood test and checking your blood sugar, like you have no idea. Like you have no idea like what that even means. You don't know where you are on the curve. And exactly. It could be on the way up, on the way down. That could be your peak. That could be your valley. It's so interesting. It is. Like I'm just looking back at like all the blood tests I've done historically and how I would so judge myself almost based on what the blood sugar was. And now I realize literally, depending on which minute I went in, it it could have been. I mean, 10 points higher. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, That that was the most eye-opening thing for me. Yeah. And then the other thing was, how high would your blood sugar go after meals, like after your carby meals? Gosh, I'm trying to remember. It's been over a month. I don't know, like one... 30 normally was how it, it would go. Yeah, because I'd been 120s. 120s, 130. One time it went up a little higher than that, but it, I don't think it ever went out of the 130s. I don't know. I don't know where that data went. I had it somewhere downloaded, but. Was it just through the Freestyle Libra app or was it? It was, but then I, I found a website that you could sync it with. Oh, okay. Let me see. I might have some notes. Well, while you're looking, the the interesting thing that I realized was like eating lower carb meals or even like fruit meals, my blood sugar, it would spike, but it would go like to like 110, like highest, like 120, and then pretty quickly go down and then it would go like down (laughs) too far. But last night I ate way more carbs than normal and oh my goodness, it went up to like 200 something. Oh my gosh. Okay. See, I found some of my data. This is just some very early data that I, okay. I went up to 135 one time, but normally like after dinner, I would go up to like 112. After pasta, I went up to 121. Yeah. Like, cause the highest I would really ever go when eating my normal foods was like 120, but it would normally go to like 110-ish. No, between like 110 and 120. Like here's some data that I had. I had two pieces of toast and two eggs on top and my blood glucose went up to 109 after two pieces of toast with eggs. See, yeah. So like last night I ate some like, it's like Rice Krispies, but there's like no additives or anything like that. And it shot up to like 200. Wow. Yeah. I never saw anything above Really, maybe maybe one forty at once at one time. I don't. I never saw anything above, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, what's happening?" But two seventeen, two seventeen. Yeah, I wish I had all that data. Even after the muffins, it didn't go up all that much. Yeah, you never really dropped hypoglycemic, did you? After meals? No, no, not after meals. In the middle of the night, like it got down in the tiny little red. I can't remember what the what the boundary was. Was it like 69 was the boundary for it tar- turns red? I can't remember. But I got down there just a couple times. But mostly it was it was not there. Yeah, mine would always drop pretty low. Although I was talking with levels about it and they said that they said a few things. And I'm excited. Like I said, I'm interviewing them tomorrow. So I have so many questions for them. But they said that, A, if you sleep on the sensor that can cut off circulation. And so like if, if it's on your arm, so that can lead to false, like so the middle of the night readings can be weird. Yeah, it could be that. And then he also said that they, they never really test like historically people's blood sugar levels all night. So we don't have a lot of data in general about what's normal for that's a good point nighttime. So yeah. Oh, and for listeners, <laughs> a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor. I would just assume that everybody knew what you're we talking about, but it's basically a 
little thing that you put on your skin and it measures your, what is it, interstitial fluid to give you a a sense of your blood sugar levels throughout the day constantly. And it really is fascinating data. And I I really hope that it becomes more mainstream for people to use as a preventative health measure. It's not a trinket. It's not a fun toy. It's not something like, oh, look at this. It's it's something that is powerful data that can, I mean, yes, it's, it's fun to see. It's interesting to see, but it's powerful data about how your body responds to these foods. And so it can really make a difference when you choose, like you're probably not going to choose that Rice Krispie thing again, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> like for me, though, the, when my, my blood glucose went up to 135, that was after coconut water, which really surprised me. I mean, I love coconut water. It's really interesting. It did make me feel better, though, about the fruit because I was kind of like stressing about the fruit. But now it's like, oh, well, compared to that. So maybe it was a, a good thing to experience. And I, I made sure to eat the way I normally eat when I was using it. Like I, I didn't eat. I didn't test things in isolation. Like when I had the toast with eggs, that's how I would normally have it because I wanted to get a picture of how it looked with my normal day. And my normal day really made me happy. My normal day, my blood glucose is within a tight little range and it, it goes up, but then it goes down and it's, it's a nice little gentle, it looked good. It made me feel really good about it. I'm still a little bit sad because it seems that if I do my keto-ish like approach, it's pretty good. Like in, in my, the levels app gives me a good metabolic score and it, it stays within the target range, but I would still in general like it like a little bit lower. And then I would also like to be eating more fruit, but goals. The good thing is because it comes in two week cycles, the the sensors and I have levels sent me too. So I have another one I can use. I have to try out NutriSense and then levels said they're going to start trialing the other brand. So I think I'll probably trial that as well. So I think I have like, what is that? One, two, three, four, five. That's like six, six more weeks worth of sensors <laughs> that I can potentially play with. And then I'm going to be like, never again. Not really. It's just so interesting. I really think that people who are, you know, concerned about long-term health, but you know, before you start having prediabetes, that's when you would know you could really dial in what, what works for you and then prevent. Like if health insurance companies are smart, they would let everybody have a trial of these to see what foods, anyone who's interested, you know, maybe not everybody, not everybody cares, but for anyone who did, it shouldn't be so hard to get them. They should pay you to do them. It should be like, we'll give you $250 if you wear this for two weeks and, and learn from your data. I mean, that would be a wellness strategy for these insurance companies. And it would prevent them from paying out thousands of dollars later for, for sickness. Anyway, I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> Nobody asked me. <laughs> so listeners, stay tuned, though, because I will be having two interviews with both companies and I'll probably have discounts or some sort of offer. So exciting. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. And we have some listener feedback, which is answer to Paige's flexibility question from 173. And it's from Miranda. She says, hello, Jen and Melanie. I have been listening to your podcast for two years now, and I love all the great information you have to offer and your willingness to entertain so many questions from your listeners. I'm happy to be part of such a valued community. I'm just getting caught up on some older podcasts and have some answers for a question you had from Paige from Australia in episode 173. Does IF increase your flexibility? You weren't able to fully answer this, and I am happy to fill in some blanks for you. I have been practicing yin yoga for over 10 years and teaching it for over six years. Yin yoga is a style of yoga that focuses on purposefully stressing our connective tissue to increase elasticity and ease of movement. It is thought to have been discovered by monks thousands of years ago to help them sit more comfortably during hours of meditation. Connective tissues are the plastic-like tissues in the body, the fascia, ligaments, tendons, etc. that wrap around and connect muscles and bones, and now they are discovering it runs like a web through muscle and bone. With stress, injury, dehydration, and life, the connective tissue gets tangled, sticky, and begins to shrink wrap our bodies, restricting movement. In order to, quote, untangle and rehydrate the connective tissue, it needs to be purposely stressed. This is what we do in yin yoga. Stressing muscle is done through resistance movement, with or without weight. We are all very familiar with this. Stressing 
connective tissue requires consistent tension and or compression. Usually both are happening concurrently with minimal muscular effort for a period of time, usually four to six minutes. It takes an average of two to three minutes for the muscles in the area to let go so that the stress can be focused on the connective tissue. During this time, the area being stressed sends a message out, quote, here's where the work needs to be done. And the fibroblasts know where to go to start untangling those bunched and knotted up collagen and elastin fibers and start laying them out in nice, neat, stretchy layers. And then she adds a little note. This is a very simplified explanation. This works similarly to acupuncture, but on a wider scale and not literally a pinpoint. Think of a big, knotted up ball of yarn. You have both loose ends in hand, but when you pull, they don't go far. If you take the time, you can untangle the ball of yarn and then layer it back and forth into a nice, neat skein. Now when you pull on the loose ends, you can pull for miles. The answer to Paige's question is twofold. First, Melanie, you are on the right track looking for studies about the effects on cartilage. And Jen, you were partway there when talking about being as flexible at 50 as you were when you were a teen dancer. I believe a lot of that can be attributed to IF and increased autophagy. When our bodies have the time, as they do with IF, they get to go around and clean up the broken down proteins, i.e. collagen and elastin, which tends to get deprioritized as we age. So you have less tangled up messes that can get taken care of without a practice like yin yoga or acupuncture, although either or both would still be very beneficial. The second part of the answer, and what I think Paige is experiencing as she was pretty recent in her IF journey, is looking at our flexibility and asking, what's stopping us? That answer is either tension or compression or a combination. It's different for all of us in different positions or poses. An easy way to experience this is to stand up, bend over, and try to touch your toes. Can you do it? If not, what's stopping you? Is it the tight sensation you feel in your lower back or in your hamstrings or calves? That's tension. That can be worked through over time with consistent practice. Are you able to touch your toes? Yes. Can you fold completely in half with your head between your knees, your knees on your ears? Why not? What's stopping you? Now you're likely experiencing compression. Compression comes in three major forms, soft, medium, and hard. Soft compression is how it sounds. Soft tissue meeting soft tissues. Think fat. Using the same example as above, envision an obese person doing the same exercise. Let's pretend they don't have too much tension stopping them from doing that forward fold, but they will likely be stopped by the compression of their belly, pressing against their thighs. They may still be able to touch their toes or the floor because fat can somewhat displace and make space for that to happen. With IF, as we lose this thigh and belly fat, we can increase flexibility. This position in particular will feel a little more comfortable, at least from the compression side of things, and we may start to meet our tension threshold in our lower back and or hamstrings now that we have more flexibility slash range of motion. This sensation will likely change as our bodies change. Can I interject really quick? So is she saying that literally losing the weight, it's like a physical barrier that's creating? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I rem- yes. When I was obese, I couldn't reach down and paint my toenails. My belly got in the way. 100%. That's so interesting. I mean, it makes complete sense. I just never really thought about it that way. Yep. I've been there. It's true. I, I had to sit differently. I, I couldn't sit cross-legged. I couldn't. I mean, there are a lot of ways I couldn't move. I mean, shaving your legs. I mean, things like that just were so different to do. It's hard to even remember. Yeah. Because it's been, you know, putting on shoes, all those things. But yeah. And now I appreciate being able to just do whatever. Move my body however I want to. All right. Back to her comments. Medium compression is interesting and what we often experience in our joints. This is a bone slash bone sandwich. Try sitting on the floor cross-legged style. Do you feel a pinching in your leg creases? This is medium compression. It often feels pinchy. If that position feels completely comfortable to you, great. It does, by the way. I can sit like that. Can you sit cross-legged comfortably, Melanie? Pretty sure. Yep, I do all the time. But I'm sure you've experienced the same sensation in other positions at some point in time. Medium compression often doesn't change in people unless they have, quote, fat show or, quote, deposits around the tissues of the joints most likely in someone more obese. Again, as those fat stores are being used for energy and decreasing in size, 
there is more space for movement, which equals more flexibility. IF for the win again. And finally, hard compression. This is bone-to-bone compression. Think of trying to do side splits. Many people can do front-to-back splits. Yep, that's the only kind I could do. But several of those still cannot do side splits. Yep, I could not do those ever. Why? Hard compression. They can spread their feet from side to side, have zero tension in their inner thighs, slide down and down, closer to the ground, and then stuck. What's stopping them? Their hip sockets. The head and neck of their femur fitting into the cup of their pelvis does not have the optimal sizes and angles to make this happen. In yin, we say this person doesn't have skeletal permission to go any further. There is no amount of yoga or stretching that will make this happen for them. Even IF will not change this. This is where we learn to accept our limitations. So yes, IF can increase your flexibility, and I hope this will help people have a little better understanding of their functional anatomy. If you notice changes in flexibility and increases in the range of motion in your body, please be aware that it's critical to also strengthen the muscles in these areas to prevent injury. We need to have the strength to support the range of motion. Of course, I recommend yoga for this. More flow styles as they strengthen and lengthen muscles at the same time. If you do resistance training, it's very important that you have a great stretching routine on your rest days or at the end of your workouts. Try to hold your stretches with minimal muscular effort for three to four minutes instead of the likely 20 to 30 seconds you're used to. Thank you for listening to this long answer, but I know how much you both dig into research and I didn't want to sell you short. That was great. Thank you, Miranda. Yeah, that was, I learned so much. Who knew? I did not know. I liked her part about this. What did she say about the skeletal limitations. It's true. Yep. I was never going to be able to do a side split no matter how hard I tried. It's good to know that that was not in the cards. (laughs) So yeah. So good to know that with IF and the weight loss and everything that it can definitely affect our flexibility. So, all right. Shall we move on to our questions? Yes. Right. So to start things off, we have a question from Katie. The subject is second try has been brutal. And Katie says, I sometimes wonder if my metabolism is irreparably damaged. I am so discouraged and ready to give up and regain, no pun intended, that unfortunate fat girl mindset that Jen has often described as accepting that you're just going to get fatter and fatter. And you know, I want to interject there. I felt that way for a time. So for people who haven't heard me say that, there was a time in my life where I gave up. And it was sometime around 2012 to 2014 when I just got bigger and bigger, no matter what I did, I couldn't stick to anything. And I just said, you know what, this is just me. I'm going to be in this big body. And, and I gave up, but not forever. I didn't give up forever. Thank goodness. All right. Back to you, Melanie. That's so surreal to me. So still 2014, you were still? Yeah, 2014 is when I was 210 pounds. I know we talked about this a lot, but the reason that's so mind-blowing to me is that Because I so associate us meeting the first time that I moved to Atlanta. And I moved to Atlanta the first time in 2014. Yeah, we didn't meet till 2017. Was it 17? It was 17. It was early in 17 because the podcasts, my book had come out already by the time we met. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it was like the tail end of when I was in Atlanta the first time. But it's just really surreal to me. That time in Atlanta the first time around seems so short. So the fact that all of that transformation happened all during when I was in Atlanta and we still met when I was in Atlanta. Like (laughs) that's a really quick turnaround, all things considered. Yeah, it really was because I really just was like, this is it. This is going to (laughs) happen. And it did. Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm really, really, really proud of that. Looking back, it's hard to remember, you know, I was just talking about how hard it was to paint my toenails and bend around and move. But you know, you just feel hopeless because you've tried so hard. I tried so hard. And, you know, I talk about this a lot for people who listen to intermittent fasting stories. This theme comes up again and again. And that's my other podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, for people who have not listened to that one. But people over and over share how they were successful in so many areas of their life, good at things, smart, well-educated, but could not get a handle on the weight. It just, it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Inspiring though. Very inspiring. It is, but you know, you're, it's not you, it's biology. It's your body. It's, it's not, I, I wrote this in fast feast repeat. 
it's not that you have failed diets, diets failed you. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. So back to our question, she says, I don't want to be back in that place, but I'm starting to feel like I don't have a choice. Not to say bad things about body positivity, but I don't feel positive or healthy in the current permutation of my body. No matter how much I try to regurgitate the mantras of health at all sizes, and it's the size of your heart that matters, not the size of your waist. Tell that to an obese person with an enlarged heart. Originally, I started IF168 in 2017. It worked marvelously. I lost 30 pounds in less than two months without even really thinking about it. I took it very naturally. I figured I'd found the magic formula that would finally work for me after literal decades of failed diets. Naturally, I plateaued, but stuck with the process. My doctor even told me how proud she was of me. Then my personal life kind of imploded. Last year, my father passed away less than two years after my mother did, plus the stress of an estate sale, the holidays, putting the house on the market, and trying to find a place to live. Needless to say, my discipline with food went straight down the toilet. I regained most of the weight I had lost. Fast forward a year, I am finally mostly settled. I'm in a new house. I have a decent nest egg. I'm generally in a good place emotionally. For once in my life, I feel fairly secure. I decided it was time to start fasting again. I thought I could slip right back in, no problem, since the first time it came naturally and worked marvelously. Boy, was I wrong. I've been at it about a month, and the only way I can describe it is agonizing. Just as agonizing as all the other diets I did in the past and eventually failed at. It's 100% stagnation and frustration. Before, I ate whatever, and the weight dropped off. Now, no matter what I eat, it stays put. 
Before, it was easy for me to wait until 2 or 3 p.m. to eat and stop at 10 or 11. Now I feel hungry all the time, regardless of how nutritious my meals are. I know, I know, I can already hear you both saying it's only been a month, but what a terrible month it has been, especially contrasted with how easily I fell into it before. What is happening? I'm 39, so it's a little early for menopause, though it's not totally out of the question. I don't have any other symptoms of early menopause, though. Does my body need longer to recalibrate the second time or something? I thought once your body learned to be fat adapted, it remembered. That seems to not be the case with me. Is this a common problem? Help. I love you guys so much. I'm a fan of this podcast and your individual podcasts too. Thank you for all your help and advice. And then I sent her an email and I asked her what she was eating. She said, it depends on the day. Sometimes it's an impossible Whopper with onion rings. Sometimes it's a nutritious poke bowl filled with vegetables, beans, and tofu. Sometimes it's Taco Bell. Sometimes it's udon, stir fry with garlic, onions, peppers, snap peas, spinach, mushrooms, and baby corn. Sometimes it's protein shakes and bars, which I don't necessarily think are the best, but I found that if I have them around, I will have fewer Burger King and Taco Bell days. I also started adding maca root to my protein shakes as suggested by Anna Kabeca on your show, since I also have hormone balance and energy issues. Katie. Well, that's a lot. And I I see that the shift happened when you had the very stressful time of your life. You were having you know a lot of trouble in your personal life. Your father passed away. You recently had lost your mother. A lot of stress, the holidays. And then we've had a pandemic. So <laughs> I, I don't want to make light of that. But even people who did not have all the other stresses that you're going through, People have had trouble this year just because of the stress of the pandemic and all of that. I mean, even if you have been safe at home and you haven't had anything that has really gone wrong for you, still, the word pandemic, the, the way that everything is so uncertain, the, you know, the watching the news, it has been a terribly, terribly stressful year. So I want you to not discount all of that. You know, the fact that it seems like you're wanting to eat it's very likely to have something to do with the stress response. Like you are just in, you're craving food early in the day. You can't wait till two or three to eat. You know, you're also only a month in, which I know you said that we would say, but it is true. So think about this, a lot of stress. You've been through a lot. You're hungry, hungry, hungry. You're fighting with it. And it's only a month in. So I want you to think back to when you first started in 2017. I bet you approached it with a different kind of mindset. I bet you were just trying it. You were excited. You were eased in. You let it unfold. You felt great. But right now, it feels like you're starting in a different mental place. I would encourage you, if you don't have Fast Feast Repeat, get it. If you do have it, or once you get it, flip to the mindset chapter. That is a really, really important chapter that I think could could make a difference for you. You know, start working on changing your self-talk. You may also want to kind of ease back a little bit. It sounds like you're really trying. Like sometimes when you try, 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 that makes it actually even harder. Maybe you're forgetting that it was a little challenging at the beginning when you first started and you've forgotten that, you know, what it was like in 2017 and you're expecting to just all of a sudden be able to wait till two or three when really maybe it took you a while. I also want you to really examine your fast and make sure you're fasting completely clean. You didn't mention that at all. You also said you started intermittent fasting in 2017. That was a long time ago. That was before my guidelines for the clean fast have certainly evolved. The more I've learned and the more people I have worked with over the, the years since 2017. So I really want you to examine what you're drinking. Are you putting lemon in your water? Are you putting a little splash of something in your coffee or sweeteners, that sort of thing? Is it, you know, having a little apple cider vinegar? Really, really think to anything that you're having. Stick to plain water, no flavors, nothing added. Sparkling water, no flavors, nothing added. Black coffee, plain tea. Avoid all those fancy herbal teas with the fancy names. Just stick to tea, actual tea, and see if that helps. Instead of forcing yourself to wait till two or three, maybe say, all right, I'm going to open at noon and I'm going to have a high quality lunch. And then later I'm going to have a high quality dinner. And I mean, you could probably fit in a, a six hour window with a, a lunch and a dinner that, you know, not giant lunch, giant dinner, but, you know, a satisfying lunch, satisfying dinner within six hours. 
if you're white knuckling it, I want you to, to switch things up and try them, you know, do different things and, and see until it feels good again. Also work to de-stress. Anything that makes you feel good and helps you relax, add those things in, whether it's a hot bath, a sauna, working out, reading a book, anything, listening to music, anything that helps you de-stress and feel better. What would you say, Melanie? Yeah, I think you said a lot of great things. I actually, so I recently interviewed the Caltons. They wrote a book called Rebuild Your Bones. It's about osteoporosis and bone health, but it's really about the role of micronutrients in our health and how our modern diets, it's hard to supply enough nutrients and how things like stress really, really deplete a lot of our nutrients. And if our bodies aren't getting all the nutrients they need, it's, you know, it's very likely that we won't ever feel satisfied or full. And you went through such, such an intense, stressful period that I feel like probably when you first started IF, you know, it was working for you. There wasn't that this whole stress aspect. And then going through that, this is what Jim was talking about, going through that really, really stressful time, it can really, really deplete a lot of like nutrients in our body, it can be really taxing on our body and have a, a lasting effect. And I think when a lot of us go through that, it can make everything <laughs> harder, including fasting, including, you know, adhering to a diet and everything. And I, and I say that to encourage you because I think focusing on nutrition could be really, really huge. Originally, she didn't say what she was eating. And if we just had that question without knowing what she was eating, because you were saying that when you first did IF, you ate whatever you wanted and the weight just dropped off. And now it doesn't seem to matter how nutritious your meals are. What I'm wondering is, because just hearing your meals, it, it sounds like you do alternate between meals that are you know, potentially more on the nu- nutritious side, like so whole foods-based meals, and then a lot of like fast food. And while a lot of people can do IF and eat fast food and see weight loss and experience the benefits, I still think food choices are really, really huge. And so I think it can be hard to know if, if you're doing well, regardless of what you're eating, if you're not eating a certain way for a long enough period of time. So what I mean by that is like, say one day you eat, you know, more on the nutritious side, but then the next day it's more fast food. And then it's like back and forth. Unless you're eating like really nutritious meals for a longer period of time, it might be hard to know if you really are feeling this way, regardless of what you eat. If you're open to not eating the fast food and focusing more on like whole foods and, and when I say whole foods, I don't mean the store. I mean, <laughs> I mean like whole foods, especially that the foods that really appeal to you and that are really high in nutrition, I would give that a try. I would almost say in this situation, that it might even be better if you're open to it. If you're really struggling with hunger, I would almost say try a spiel of, because what window is she doing? She didn't say. She said she's having a hard time getting to two or three, which is why I suggest don't force it if you're not feeling good yet. Even though before you were eat, but right now is different. It was easy for me to wait until two or three and stop at 10 or 11. So she was eating like like an eight-hour window from like two to 10. So... I would almost suggest, and I don't know why I say almost, I would actually suggest that you maybe consider trying a, not a fasting approach right now, and actually just a food approach and eat when you're hungry, but eat whole foods and see if you can get more in touch with your satiety signals and how you're reacting to food without the the fast food and things like that, that might be hacking your cravings and making you want more. And then after cleaning that up for a little bit, then move into the eating window. And you might find that it's a lot easier to have a fasting window. I just really think the food choices are, are really huge. I think a lot of people think that if they do IF, that it means, you know, they can eat whatever they want during the window. And that doesn't always work, especially if it's meals that are not that nutritionally supportive. Yeah, I have a section in Fast Feast Repeat about the the phrase, eat whatever you want, and that people misunderstand it. When we say eat whatever you want, we mean eat whatever you want. We're not going to say this is the style you must eat to do intermittent fasting, but it doesn't mean eat whatever you want, like you're 
you know, I often use the analogy, you're a college freshman with your first meal plan and mom's not there, you know. That happens for a lot of people. They've been careful eaters and then they start intermittent fasting that is portrayed as eat whatever you want and then they throw all the other out the window and, you know, I was already eating like a college freshman before I started intermittent fasting. (laughs) I had a terrible, I, I did not have good nutritional habits. And so over time, my, my taste did change. I've talked about that a lot. But, you know, most of us are going to find we feel better when we eat nutritious foods. That's just a fact. And that's what our bodies need. So really keep, keep in mind that, yes, you can eat whatever you want, but that's not permission to eat whatever you want. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device. And I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. Yeah and also like so a few other things she says that she has protein shakes and bars which she doesn't think are the best, but if she has them, she's less likely to eat Burger King or Taco Bell. What other foods could you keep on hand, whole foods, that would also, if you eat them, make you less likely to eat 
Burger King or Taco Bell. Like you're the one in control. Like you're the one in charge here. You're the one choosing what you want to buy, what you keep in your house, what you have access to. So I'm sure there are foods you can find that you do think are the best <laughs> and that you can keep on hand and that you could eat and have, you know, fear of the the fast food days. And also you're drinking protein shakes. Like that's something actually, for example, that I would suggest switching that to like whole foods protein. Like, so instead of a protein shake, have like chicken breast or steak or something, because it's going to be much more satiating. And I don't see really any reason to, especially if you're struggling to lose weight, to like make all of these calories so easily assimilated. Can I tell you what I've found recently that has been just amazing for opening my window? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't have an official affiliate relationship with them, although I'd love to. Hello, Daily Harvest. Send me an email. <laughs> Daily Harvest. I've been using them after I saw several people recommend them. And yes, Jen at intermittentfastingstories.com. Daily Harvest. I would love to hear from you. But I just, I love, I can't figure out how to contact them because I would love to have them sponsor my podcast. Wait, what did they do? They have food. It is, I mean, I know it's not all, it's a lot of grain in there, some grain, not all grains, but it's some things you probably wouldn't eat, but it's whole foods and it comes frozen and they have bowls and they have flatbreads and they have smoothies and they have, but the ingredients list is so clean and good. Are they plant-based? Yes. I think they might've emailed us before. Well, see if you could find that, that email because I just found them as a person, <laughs> Jen Stevens, the person. And I have been opening my window every single day with one of their soups or one of their bowls. My husband and I will split one of their smoothies after dinner as a dessert. They don't work well for me on an empty stomach, but they work great as a dessert. We'll just share one. They are so good. So if you go to jenstevens.com on the favorite things tab, I do have a link there that you can use to save money. It's not official like sponsorship or anything. It's just like any person could share their link. That's what I'm doing. But it's on the favorite things tab at jenstevens.com. But it's also really, really tasty, you know, and I'm not plant-based, so I might have one of their, one of their bowls and it might have lentils in there, plus a ton of veggies, maybe kale, but it's so quick. You can just pop it in the microwave and, you know, I'm going to cook a big dinner later and I, I'm, you know, I cook it and prepare it, but I don't want to also fuss around with something to open my window. So their, you know, lentil bowl with all the veggies that I can pop in the microwave, maybe I'll throw a little sour cream on there. <laughs> it has that flavor profile that would do well with some sour cream. And I am just so satisfied. And instead of like grabbing the cheese and crackers again, you know, I'm having this really nutritious food. So I'm just a fan. I'm really excited and recommend it. The food is so good. And my husband loves it. I love it. And it's quick. See, that's the thing. You know, I'm busy. I'm working during the day. And then I'm going to cook a full meal later for dinner. I don't also really have the time to, you know, and I was finding myself always grabbing, you know, broccoli and hummus or cheese and crackers. And I was in a rut just because I could grab that. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion. I would really focus on the food choices if it was me. Yeah. I think that's good advice. All right. We have a question from Amanda. Amanda says, I started listening to the podcast last week on episode 41. Now I remember you mentioned berberine and I want to know if I can still take it without a meal because I try to do one or two 40-hour fasts a week. Bottle says once daily with meal or is directed by healthcare professional. I typically have a window later in the day for regular days, just not sure about taking it on 40-hour fast days. I just bought it today, so I want to know the best way to take it before I start. I've been intermittent fasting since February of 2020. All right. Berberine. So this would actually be a really good situation to have a CGM to see how how you react to berberine during during the fast. So for listeners, berberine is well, okay. So there's a drug called metformin that a lot of listeners are probably familiar with, and it's often prescribed for diabetes, but it can have really remarkable effects on lowering blood glucose levels, lowering HbA1c, discouraging the liver from producing glucose, things like that. Oh, and activating AMPK, which is one of the main genes that we activate during fasting that has a lot of the beneficial effects of fasting. So the reason I say all of that is berberine is a natural plant compound that has been found in studies to have very comparable effects to metformin and without 
a lot of the potential side effects of the pharmaceutical. So studies have found that by taking berberine that it can decrease insulin resistance, just in general, it can make the insulin in your body be more effective. It can help your cells break down sugars. So use sugar more effectively. Like I said, it does decrease sugar production in the liver because, and I mentioned this before, but one of the most mind-blowing things to me is that in diabetes, the majority of the elevated blood sugar is actually not coming from the diet. It's coming from the liver producing sugar. So berberine can interfere with that process. And it can also, it might actually even support beneficial gut bacteria, which is really interesting. So point being, I actually ordered some berberine after doing all this research. It's usually suggested that you take it right before meals, like three times a day. I assume you could take it during that long fast. My only concern would be it might, depending on how you're reacting to it. Did she say she started taking it already? No, she wanted to wait. And she's going to do a 40-hour fast. You might find, if your blood sugar is already low on that long fast, the only thing I would be worried about would be if it dropped you too low and then you got symptoms of hypoglycemia. So that would be something that you'd have to experiment with. Yeah, I probably would just follow the directions of the bottle and not try to take it on a long fast. I just wouldn't. I would just take it once a day with a meal, like it says. <laughs> or if you're not having a meal, don't take it. If you are measuring your blood sugar, although we just talked at the beginning about how <laughs> that might be all over the place, but that might be a situation where, you know, if you're long into your fast and you measure your blood sugar and it's good, I probably wouldn't take berberine at that moment because probably just going to drop it lower. On the flip side, if you're, you know, long into a fast and your blood sugar is high, then you might want to take it and see what happens. I'm actually, I'm really excited now because I just ordered some and I want to see how it affects my CGM. Well, definitely share that after you've tried it for a while and let us know what happens. I will. So I do take oftentimes keto before six, which is by Quicksilver Scientific. And it has a lot of AMPK activators. So I just mentioned that AMPK is, you know, genetic pathways that are activated while we're fasting and is responsible for a lot of the benefits of fasting. And so keto before six contains, it's a different compounds that all activate AMPK. So it contains berberine. It also has like quercetin and I think, I think like resveratrol and milk thistle and a few other things. But so I've been taking a little bit of berberine via that, but I haven't taken like just berberine. So I'll have to report back, but I am, I'm a fan of the concept of berberine and I'm actually, I don't know, I'm not a fan of most pharmaceuticals, but I don't really know how I feel about metformin. I'm very intrigued by metformin. I think if I ever were to experiment with a pharmaceutical, I would experiment with metformin out of curiosity. Yeah. Cause a lot of people just take it for health benefits. Yeah. Yeah. I know like David Sinclair talks about it a lot. Peter Atia I think talks about it. It's like the one pharmaceutical that often comes up in discussion on a lot of the the podcast that I listen to about the potential benefits. Like some people pretty much take it for life, kind of like aspirin. <laughs> it doesn't do the same thing at all as aspirin, but kind of like as far as like far, quote pharmaceuticals that potentially might have more health benefits than not. So we have a question from Heather. Subject is transition period. And Heather says, hi guys, I just started IF five days ago. I'm currently doing a six-hour eating window. My husband and I decided to start a healthier lifestyle, and we each chose our own method. He is counting calories, and I am attempting IF. I have absolutely loved IF so far. I'm the type of person that has in the past claimed to need food every 10 minutes. I truly didn't know that I would be able to maintain this lifestyle for more than one hour. I know. I'm crazy. Anyway, this week has been wonderful. I feel more energy throughout the day. I have not felt deprived at all, and I am enjoying my food so much more than I did when I was eating all day. I'm currently going through your podcast from the beginning, and I'm on episode 11. I hear you meant, oh, 11. That's so, that's so long time ago. I'm sorry if we gave bad advice on episode 11. <laughs> Sometime I'm going to have to go back and listen to like, just like, a random episode from the from that time period. I might do that. She says, I hear you mentioned the transition phase or period, and I'm curious how long that usually lasts. I've had moments in my fasting period where I'm tempted to reach for food out of sheer habit or quick moments where I feel hungry because my body is used to eating very often. Does this go away? I thought I would add that I've only lost about one pound so far. I would have been discouraged by this if it were not for your podcast. I'm trusting the method and I'm waiting for more results. Thanks so much. All right. 
All right. And Heather is on day five. So, <laughs> Heather, I hope that you fast forward to this new episode and hear it now. I really don't want you to expect any weight loss in the first 28 days. That's what I've got in my 28-day fast start of fast, feast, repeat. So a pound in five days is actually really good. And so remember also, I don't want you to weigh every day and and think of the fluctuations. I want you, I mean, I do want you to weigh every day, but I don't want you to get caught up on the, the daily fluctuations. I want you to weigh daily and then once a week, calculate your weekly average. So if you're on day five, you don't even have a week yet to have a weekly average. So, and of course, I don't want you to do that till after your first 28 days. So on day 29, I'd like you to weigh again and then weigh daily and once a week, calculate your weekly average because really it's only the overall trend that matters. So as far as the adjustment period, you know, that really varies for everybody. Dr. Burt Hearing talks in his books about three weeks, three weeks to adjust. And I think that is actually overly optimistic. And maybe, you know, now with, you know, how, how everyone seems to have metabolic syndrome, pre-di- prediabetes, people are just not in great shape starting out. You know, I sure wasn't. When I started out, I wasn't in great shape physically. I was, was obese. And so three weeks is a little bit optimistic. So really, some people find it takes as long as eight weeks, 12 weeks even, you know, depending on you and your body to really feel like you're starting to adjust to intermittent fasting. And if someone's been obese or overweight for a long time, it can take even longer. A lot of that has to do with, you know, what your fasting insulin level is. If you're, and you're not going to know what that is unless you've had a test. And most people haven't. Melanie, we were, someone was talking recently in the Facebook groups about trying to get a fasting insulin test. And her doctor's like, that's not what you mean. You want a, glu- a blood glucose test. She's like, no, I want fasting insulin. He's like, no. And the doctor like could not understand why someone would want a fasting insulin test or like couldn't figure out how to write it on the form, didn't know what she was talking about. So, I mean, I'm not saying that to say bad things about doctors because there's a lot of doctors who are using them and understand them and all of that. So you probably don't have your fasting insulin levels, but if your fasting insulin levels are high, it's going to take time for that to come down. And that's, that's part of your body's adjustment before you'll see the benefits of fasting. So long story short, we really could say three to eight weeks for the adjustment period, but it really can vary wildly. You know, if you were someone who was eating keto prior to starting intermittent fasting, your body may already be fat adapted. And so your adjustment period might be very brief. You know, I mentioned before on the podcast in 2014, when I finally was able to start intermittent fasting and finally stick to it for the first time ever. I had been trying keto that whole summer, failing at keto. I mean, I was doing it. I didn't lose any weight. I did it 100%. Didn't lose a single pound. Now I know that's not how my body feels best, but I probably became fat adapted. And I was definitely in ketosis. Wasn't losing body fat, probably because I was eating a lot. (laughs) Eating a lot of fat, not having any need to tap into my body fat. But as soon as I switched to intermittent fasting and added back carbs, I felt immediately better. And I started losing weight. So like right away, I didn't have to have an adjustment period. So all that to be said, it really, really varies. I think that's great. I think you covered it. Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be months before Heather gets to this (laughs) episode. If she's listening from episode 11. I know. Good times. Okie dokie. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 187. Those show notes will have a full transcript. So definitely check that out. You can join our Facebook groups. I have IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting, Plus Real Foods, Plus Life. Are we plugging your new Facebook group, Jen? Well, I do have a new Facebook group if anyone is interested in things outside of intermittent fasting because I talked about that I've started a third podcast. We've actually recorded episode zero, which is our trailer episode, and also episode one. The Facebook group is Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. The podcast will come out where... Hoping for episode one, December 2nd is our target release date. And our first episode is all about sleep. I just, <laughs> I just recorded two back-to-back part one and part two episodes again with Dr. Kirk Parsley 
listener Q&A on sleep, and both of them are almost three hours. We talk about Dr. Kurt Parsley and his sleep remedy on the podcast, but we also talk about the sleep chronotypes. And if we, we, you and I have talked about that before, right? I'm a lion. You're a... Yeah. What was it? A wolf or something? Yeah. I think you're a wolf. Sherry is also a wolf. My friend Sherry. Late at night. Yeah. Sherry's a wolf. My, my co-host on the other podcast is a wolf, just like you. That'll be coming out December 2nd. The reason we, we decided to start with sleep is because we asked people what they were interested in hearing about, and that came up over and over. People are struggling with sleep. I know. Like I emailed the first part one episode to my assistant, and it was like three hours, and she was like, I didn't realize there was so much to know about sleep. And I was like, this is just part one. <laughs> there's like a, there's a part two coming. There's so many questions. There's so much. That was one of the good takeaways because, you know, people, so many people will say that we all are naturally early birds. And I asked him about that. And he was like, it's not really debated in the the scientific literature about there being different circadian rhythms for people. It's known that it's true, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was like, it's not like really controversial. And I was like, oh, okay. Then why is everybody saying that we're all early birds? I know. I guess the early birds started that. (laughs) People who are one way really, really assume that everyone should else should be like that. Yeah. Kind of like with food and diet and everything. I'm, I mean, I really think they're like, well, I wake up really early and I feel great and I get a lot done. So you should do that too. And if you can't, you must be super lazy. And that's how these things get started. And no, it's not that you're sleep, super lazy or even lazy at all. You just have a different rhythm. You're more productive later in the day. And then you could feel like a loser and a failure because you're fighting against your body. Yep. 100%. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. I look forward to it. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.